uh, I had a board that my partner home split for me. Then I just bought all the hardware and I'm pretty sure I just used like these old sample bent metal bindings that I had for forever. And, uh, yeah, beacon probe shovel. I dropped in on all that stuff. And for my first year of splitboarding, um, I was living in Missoula and I like mainly just toured on Lolo pass, like as much as I could. Dark Starts the Podcast is sponsored by Handout Gloves, the best thing since shoes got laces. Experience five-finger freedom with Handout Gloves' patented zipper technology and enable yourself to get everything you need so you can do what you want. We're also supported by Powder King Mountain Resort in the Pine Pass, BC. Don't forget to bring your snorkel. Face shots are the norm. This show is supported by Koo Sports and their full line of snowboard and ski waxes and tools. Furberg Snowboards, designed around big mountain free riding in the Norwegian backcountry. Furberg Snowboards feature the unique floorboard tongue and groove technology that locks the board halves together for a more solid ride. Check them out at FurbergSnowboards.com or at Furberg Snowboards on Instagram. And be sure to use that 10% discount code DS10 for your 10% discount. Be sure to visit our website at www.darkstarts.ca and go to our partners page to learn more. Hello and welcome to episode 89 of Dark Starts, your backcountry splitboarding podcast. Chad and I just had a great talk with Shauna Paoli out of Washington State. Shauna is a woman dedicated to gliding in the backcountry, so much so that she and her partner have been living out of an RV in the backcountry of Glacier, Washington for the last five years, just so they can be close to the best riding. We really feel that you'll love this deep dive into the mind of a backcountry addict. Let's drop in with Shauna Paoli. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. And Dude. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody's a dude. That's how it goes. Um, yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. And you know, I know it's a it's a down day for you. Told us, but it's you know, it's, you probably could get out and do some shredding. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm super stoked to be here. Thanks. We feel the same. So yeah, let's get into uh, where are you right now? What's uh, what's kind of your you know, living quarters, you got something pretty uh, unique happening, which I'm a little jealous of, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm jealous of your shower and your bathroom, actually. Um, <laughs> I am currently in my RV or travel trailer um, in Glacier, Washington. Um, and yeah, I've, uh, I'm on my land. My partner, Blaine, and I got some land last year. Nice. And yeah, just hanging out, enjoying my rest day. Um, and yeah. So it, it allows you to get like <laughs> multiple days in at Baker. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I like give a lot of props to everyone who drives from Bellingham and Seattle to Baker like almost every day. That's insane to me. Um, yeah. I can't do that. So neither can my partner. So we are like as close to Baker as you can live essentially. Um, and yeah, it allows us a lot of freedom to, uh, you know, pick our days, um, or just like usually just go up no matter what. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it's it's a really great spot. So let me ask you, just because I don't know the geography as well, but <laughs> where, like, Glacier in relation to Mount Baker, like, what's your commute to the hill? Um, it's like maybe forty minutes, thirty-five uh, okay. minutes, depending on roads and traffic and stuff. But yeah, it's pretty close. I mean, we literally have like nothing here. There's not even a gas station. Um, so what? like, it's not it's not for everyone. Um. And there's a lot of second homes here. It's pretty hard for locals to find a place to live, um, which is where the trailer park came in for myself and my partner. Because, um, yeah, we just bought a uh, our travel trailer um, or it's like it's an Avion, like I mentioned, like kind of like an Airstream. Um, but, yeah, we bought it in Montana for like four grand before we came out here and we just kind of sent it here and kind of was like, okay, where's the trailer park (laughs) and just landed in the trailer park here in in Glacier. Um, It's been how many years now? This is my fifth winter in the trailer. Um, yeah, it's yeah. been, Was it? I'm super grateful for it, but it's, I'm ready for yeah. uh, real, <laughs> real fir- space and amenities. But your first year, like how, how difficult, I don't know, for me would be a difficult transition to be getting on the <clears> snow <throat> that much, like that more, like so frequently was the body, like, was your mm-hmm. body taking a beating? I know maybe because I'm getting older now, but <clears throat> you know, I do a day of riding and I'm like, next day I'm like, Oh, like body needs a day of rest. I could go again. There's no question. So yeah, well, that must've been like, now I'm sure you're like a seasoned vet <laughs> on multiple days in a row, but I guess the beginning must've been a bit of a, I don't know, maybe, maybe not a transition or a new learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. In Montana, I, um, I rode almost every day as well. Okay. Um, cause I was a lift operator at Montana snowball, mm. <laughs> which was quite the experience. And I feel really lucky to have gotten that time in at such a ma and pa ski area. Nice. Um, you know, you know, everyone's name on who, who you're bumping chairs for essentially. And it was just a really special vibe to, to have experienced. Um, but yeah, I was pretty used to it. That was when I like really start. I mean, I also lived in summit County, um, and rode almost every day when I lived there too. Um, and yeah, I like it's, I, I've always worked in restaurants too, like before I discovered commercial fishing and kind of seasonal living. And, um, that is a really good way to shred every day is to work yeah. night shifts, um, and go out during the day. And yeah, but yeah, it's, it's hard on your body and the older I get, yeah, the more it hurts and the more it's like, Oh man, I'm getting crooked, you know? Yeah. Um, you mean but, the day after day riding type of thing or? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I will admit I have had a better like recovery program in the past. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I like stretch every morning before snowboarding and roll out and I have my routine. Um, also like, uh, I, I'm also a certified herbalist fun fact. Um, and Ooh. in Montana, yeah, in Montana, mm. um, I would harvest wild harvest Arnica and do a lot of Arnica stuff. Cause Arnica is really good for like recovery and like helping to dissipate bruises and sprains and stuff like that. Um, because it, uh, dilates your capillaries, which allows more blood flow to get to wherever is hurting or bruised and more, more blood flow means like quicker healing. Cause it's like taking in all the good stuff you want and kind of getting rid of all of the waste product of the injury and stuff, um, and of the muscles. I like that. 
That's, yeah. that's crazy. So, Can I ask you a quick question about that? Because yeah. I like people have given me Arnica cream before mm-hmm. for big bruises and stuff like that. Like this helps, you know, get rid of the bruising quicker and, and relieve mm-hmm. it. It's always been a topical. Do you ever use Arnica like internally or is it always just topical? No, yeah. it's, it's like, it's like toxic internally. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. If you like some people will do it, well, homeopathically people take Arnica, but like, homeopathic stuff is like way different than like straight up herbal medicine because um if you were to look at a sugar pill which is what homeopathic medicine is um you will maybe find like one or two molecules of what is actually says is in there in that pill Uh, um what it's more of an energetic thing like they'll shake these sugar pills around in like a in like a machine with like whatever is supposed to be in there you know yeah um so it's like there essentially isn't any of that what is actually in it because yeah there's like arnica pills and people get confused about that but yeah internally like if you were to take like an arnica tincture internally like you would have some pretty gnarly like heart like issues going on yeah it's it's really gnarly don't take it internally (laughs) yeah no i was never thinking about it i was just kind of curious like if um if there were other ways because yeah like i said i mean people give me the arnica cream in the past you know and and do that kind of thing yeah yeah. coupled with cbd and magnesium i yeah that is like the ultimate i'm a huge advocate of magnesium in the last six months it's just been a game changer for my lower my legs and circulation it's been amazing like I, awesome. my, mom, my mom sent me a bottle of it and she's like, try this. And it was like, wow. Like literally within hours, everything changed. And now I'm like addicted. Cool. Like 2000 milligrams a day. Just <laughs> <laughs> nice. What do you know what form you're taking? Yeah. Oxidate, the uh, magnesium oxidate, ox, oxide, oxidate maybe. Uh, yeah. Oxidate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm really enjoying that one a lot. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, um, my partner's mom is a physical therapist and chiropractor and nutritionist. She's like essentially kind of like a naturopathic physician, you know? Nice. Um, and she did a blood test for me like uh, last, I can't remember if it was last fall. I think it was last fall. And um, I was like really deficient in magnesium. And uh, I started taking some like right away. Mm-hmm. And it was like such a game changer oh, for yeah. me. Like I ended up going on this like family bike tour um, like the next week and we were doing like 80 miles a day for like consecutive days with like loaded bikes. And I was, I had been, I like came from the couch to the bike and I wasn't <laughs> sore at all. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Magnesium is such a game changer and so many of us are deficient and we don't realize it. Um, yep. so yeah, it's, it's good to take magnesium and it's great topically. It's like muscle food essentially. Yeah, like I electrolytes. Just, I, just I do electrolytes it. every morning too. Nice. I'm loving this. This is good. Yeah. How do you, how do you get your electrolytes every morning? Um, I do an electrolyte powder like before coffee, um, in the morning, like I have to have, um, electrolytes and that like, that really helps like day after day after day for me, like doing the electrolytes. Otherwise, if I'm like not that active, I'll just do like some warm lemon water. Um, but yeah, big fan of the electrolytes. Just trying to soak up what uh, what tidbits of info I can get you because I am an older guy who's always out after it. But uh, yeah. like you mentioned before, like the soreness and everything and the day after, mm-hmm. uh, it sets in. You know? Well, 
What you yes. said, what you said was really interesting about the, the lemon water because that helps neutralize your like when you wake up in the morning because your stomach's been digesting and dehydrating and that really helps to helps all your biochemistry in your belly, guts, your butt kind, gut biome. Mm. Yes, and yeah. a good a good pH water and all that stuff as well. I usually like I always drink a glass of water every morning. First thing I do when I wake up, right? You need that. And uh, but nice. I, I started doing a little bit of salt, like Himalayan pink salt in I there. I did that for then, a bit too. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then and I'll do that before coffee. That's my before coffee. That's like the instant nice. I wake up. And we were yes, doing the, same here. And we were doing the yeah. super, go-to superfoods <gasps> as well for a while. The, oh, that was good. Cocoa bomb. Stuff, yeah. Got to get more. Nice. Yeah. That's part, they're, on, they're on our partner page. They're out of uh, California. There's somebody that you, if anybody looking for a good... Uh, like a bulletproof coffee style without having to pay the big, big dollars. This is definitely your, your fix. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Anyways, awesome. well, let's, uh, let's shrooms. get into a little bit. Yeah. It's all shrooms. <laughs> oh, also one more thing I thought of, um, I really like to do when I can hot, cold therapy. Like, um, like I went, I don't have the hot part going on at my place yet, but I went and just like sat in the Creek the other day for as long as I could tolerate. Um, and the Creek is really cold right now here, um, on my property, but, but yeah, hot, cold therapy is such a game changer. Like if you're able to sit in a sauna and take a cold shower and like rotate that a couple times or like do hot tub, cold Creek, hot tub, cold Creek. Like I think that is like the Probably the best way. Yeah, that's for the me. Wim Hof method. I do yeah. love that. I do love that when I can get that. I don't have. I guess I can make that availability. We talked to uh, uh, <laughs> Jessa Gilbert, badass artist and snowboarder backcountry, and she said she she came up with a good little hack, which was you know if you don't have that creek like you have, um, mm-hmm. sometimes going with a like straight from the tap cold water bathtub is a little too shocking for a lot of people. So yeah, uh, one of her hacks was uh, you know fill the tub up the night before. You know, and then in the morning oh, yeah. when you get up, just get in that tub. It's going to be cold. Oh, it's not yeah. going to be creek cold, but it's going to be cold, right? Yeah, you can kind of like climatize yourself. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I wish if I had a tub, I would do Epsom salt baths mm, and then do, do like <laughs> ice bath right afterwards or something. Like, I love man, the whole, if I had, if a, bathtub. I had a tub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm just, I'm just, I like dream of baths. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. It's coming. I know it's coming. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, let's get into uh, a little bit of your, you know, history of snowboarding and who, who Sean is. Who is Sean Paoli? Let's yeah, well, find we just out. Dig, yeah. We've just dug a nice big hole there, but uh, <laughs> good. yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So you mentioned um, Montana, but you're not from Montana. Where are you from? I am from Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin, yep. Wisconsin uh, North Central Wisconsin. Um, I grew up snowboarding at a place that I will always know as Rip Mountain, but it got, um, it was kind of like, have you ever seen the movie Out Cold? It was kind of like the classic out cold scenario where the, this, it was like ma and pa, but then this like other place comes in and buys it out and makes it all fancy and like, you know, that whole thing. Um, but yeah, when I grew up riding it, it was mainly Rip Mountain and, um, yeah, I grew up riding there. My dad, Um, my dad was a race car driver growing up. Um, but he, well, not all of my growing up, but he had to quit when I was three because he had a heart condition his whole life. He ended up passing Uh, away when I was 20. Um, But yeah, he was, he was like, like kind of, uh, like a medical miracle, I guess you could say. Um, he was born with a hole in his heart when he was just, uh, 
or he was born with a hole in his heart. And then when he was like three months old, my grandparents got him this experimental surgery at the University of Minnesota with like, I think there were like six other babies who had the same thing as him. Um, and then like they, they ended up putting a rubber band around all of these babies, like pulmonary artery, which is like the artery to your lungs. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, all these other babies, like none of the other kids made it past 20. Um, and my dad was the only one to make it past 20 and he made it all the way to 44. And so like, he really crushed it. And he was like, a, he was a ski racer. Um, but he couldn't handle the altitude. So he never really like, he, oh, he yeah. went, he got, I forget if he went or got invited to the junior Olympic, like, tryouts or something in vermont or i i can't remember but um Sounds yeah like he, he was just, an adrenaline junkie yeah he like really like yes i definitely got that from him um <laughs> and uh yeah but he he was a great race car driver he was like sponsored by budweiser and nice. um what he, kind of racing NASCAR. stock car racing oh, okay yeah yeah. Yeah. And so he was like super into all that stuff. Um, and he surprised me. We were living with my grandparents at the time because, um, my parents got a divorce and it was pretty gnarly times and money was like really, really, you know, thin. Mm -hmm. Um, and my dad, he, my dad would pick me up from school and we would like, I remember we would like go to like the China buffet or whatever. And then we'd go to our local board shop dwellers, which I ended up working at later on in high school. Um, and we would just like look at all the snowboards and, and just like be in there and hang out. And then we'd go home, you know? Um, but then like one day I just remember this day so well, like, he, his car was parked in my grandma and grandpa's garage and he came inside and he was like, Hey, Hey, I, I got something to show you. And I was like, okay. Um, what is it? Like I was all excited. And, um, then he brought me out into the garage and popped the trunk of the car. And it was like my first snowboard. It was, a wow. uh, yeah, it was a it was a ride control with um nice. man, I think they were Burton bindings and this pair of ride boots and yeah, that that changed my whole life. Nice. It all <laughs> yeah. started there. Yep, and then I just went to Rib Mountain by myself and just like scorpioned all day on the ice <laughs> essentially on the tow rope and just taught myself how to how to do two edges. I skied before that. Um, but yeah, I'd never done any type of boarding before. So, um, yeah, people are like, how did you learn to snowboard? And I was like, uh, I just went and just destroyed myself essentially. (laughs) Same same here. Um, Same here. Yeah. Same same for myself as well, but at an older age, but, uh, yeah, I started just going by myself and just riding, riding, riding. Yeah. It's the way to do it. Um, but yeah, I did, I just snowboarded, um, I just like fell in love with it. It just became my favorite thing in the whole world. Um, and then I found it kind of started like, you know, like kind of defining me. Like if I didn't do it, I felt crazy kind of. Um, but I guess I started working at dwellers when I was 16, which was our local core shop in Wausau. It was awesome. Um, and 
then I decided I wanted to work in the industry <clears throat> and uh, work in marketing in the industry. Um, and I uh, ended up going to Boulder, Colorado and got in-state tuition. Um, just worked and lived for a year to get that because it's so expensive and no one was really helping me pay for college. Um, and yeah, I got into school and was in the trying to do the business program at the Leeds School of Business um, and Marketing. And then that was the year my dad passed away. And it just like really, it really rocked my world. Like he passed away a few weeks before finals um, of that year. And like, I, I was the next of kin, um, which, which means that like, I was legally responsible for everything surrounding his death. And yeah, I wasn't even 21 yet. Like I couldn't even have a beer after I signed his consent for cremation form. I was pissed. Right. When you need a <laughs> but, beer. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or 10. Um, <clears throat> or 10. Yeah. You didn't have one anyways. Um, <clears throat> Come on. Oh yeah. I definitely did. You know, <laughs> of but, course. Um, just couldn't legally yeah. have one. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that, that really rocked my world. And I came back and just like, like got, uh, I was a medicated for ADD all growing up. And so I just went back and got another ADD prescription. I was trying not to do the meds all year, but I was like, I got, I need them to bust this out. And then I just spent like so much time in the library, like, and passed all my classes, which was cool. But yeah, after that, that summer, or I had an internship lined up for Never Summer Industries. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was something that I was able to like tell my dad about before he passed away, which was like really cool. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so I ended up interning at Never Summer and those guys just like became my family. Like I was working in the office with them um, and they were just so great. Like Tony and Vince and Jeremy and all those guys, um, gags, like they just treated me like family. Um, but it, it definitely made me realize that like, I didn't want to, um, work in an office. Um, and so I was like, I was like, man, I actually, I just really love snowboarding. Um, so like, how do I do that all the time? Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Summit County and, um, tried my hand at border cross racing. Oh yeah. In high school, um, we had this funny race team, uh, at my, at, at my high school, like there was an announcement on the loudspeaker one day and it was just like, anyone interested in joining a snowboard racing team, come down to the main office. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> like seriously. Okay. And so I just like went down and checked it out and it was like, yeah, you get, you get to like get days off of school to go snowboarding all around the Midwest and race. And I was like, what? Yeah. I was like so into it. And this was, this was something, um, that, sorry, I kind of forgot about this part. This was something that my dad and I like did together. It was like our thing. Cause he was into racing and, um, he was like so competitive. He would make my board so fast the night before. And we were racing on like park boards. <laughs> like it so, was such a, it was such a joke, but it was like, Oh my God, it was so fun. So you got um, you into waxing. Chad, out of the Chad just, he, yeah, he just yeah. perked up when you when you said that about your dad because so, Chad's just all about waxing your board and getting it ready. Oh, and, tuning it up yeah, is key. Yeah, I, 
I love that stuff. I, I love racing bank slaloms. Um, and yeah, I, there's this, this nostalgia and kind of connection with my dad, like doing all that stuff. And it's like, Oh, I love it. Nice. Yeah. Well, we're good. It's funny you say this early in the episode because we are going to give you a wax, a pack of wax, three temperature wax from Sport. Oh, sweet. Thank you guys. Yeah. we're going to send out, then again, anybody who wants to get some, uh, you know, waxes and tuning accessories for your snowboards or your skis, you just go to darkstarts.ca, go to the partners area, take advantage of the 10% discount that Coosport is offering our listeners. And uh, yeah, man, that's, uh, we're going to get you a package of this stuff out the door and uh, you will be set. So you'll, I know you probably will never use the cold wax, but. Oh uh, Yeah. We'll get more. We'll get more cold days. Don't worry. No, you'll be set. <laughs> you got all cold wax isn't that cold though. It's like you know, the temps aren't that cold on there. Yeah, uh, I'm going to 16 Montana. Sixteen Fahrenheit March, so. and colder. Yeah, I bet you see that minus nine. Yeah, that's like still warm for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty dang cold for us. I'm. It's warm for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like that's... t-shirt weather. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I bet up in Canada. Well, yeah, we've seen some br- cool. brutal. Ten- and in fact, it's funny because uh, I got to Chad's house today, and my phone. I looked at. Uh, I think I had Facebook open. It was reminding me last year this time. Uh, it was minus thirty nine Celsius here in Grand Prairie. Feels like minus fifty three. <laughs> oh wow! It was brutal cold. Yeah. So the That's Fahrenheit and the Celsius they they meet at minus forty on the scale. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. It's cold. Yeah. That's very cold. Freaking cold. So anyways, you'll be prepared. You'll have wax. Well, not for that cold, but you don't want to go riding that cold, but you'll be prepared. You got waxes for, you know, warm, universal and cold wax. So that'll be sweet. Yeah. Thanks guys. No problem. Heck yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So you, you love uh, border cross like that. That was the racing that you really attracted to or. So we, in high school, we were just racing, um, super G and GS. Um, and yeah, it was like, it was like so funny. It was just such a total joke. You know, we'd go like get high in the woods and like, it was, (laughs) it was just like a bunch of like snowboarder kind of disorganized snowboarders, like traveling around in high school, you know, if you can imagine what that was like. Um, we didn't have snowboard coaches. Like our coaches were skiers. Like it was so, it was, it was hilarious, but I loved it and I was pretty good at it. And, um, yeah, um, that was like the start. I loved to turn and that was just the start of it all, I think. Um, but then, yeah. Um, but I love, I love how you said, uh, yeah. And you mentioned it before we went to the wax side of it, but you're like, yeah, we were racing on park boards. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So my, my daughter got to compete in the Canada winter games and she got picked to, uh, she wanted to do slope style, but she got part, she got picked to do parallel giant uh, parallel giant slalom, um, which she, she didn't want to do, but I was like, you're never going to get this chance again. You got to go to these games. And I said, don't even worry about it, kid. All the the kids from Ontario and Quebec, they're just going to smoke that category anyways. Yeah. Because they're all going to come out with the boards, the boots, the bindings, and all the training yeah. for that discipline. The you don't have setups. that. You're going to do the best you can. Yep. And totally. she loved it. She did great. She finished middle of the pack, to be honest with you. And she nice, uh, good for her. She That's had it. Awesome. She had a board specific to it, a stiffer board, you know, a little bit longer, which which made good for that kind of racing. But uh, oh yeah, but yeah, she found out Sweet. that she loved racing. She switched uh, basically awesome. from slope style to border cross was her thing. That's so awesome. That's all. Yeah. Racing is so fun. Um, yeah, I, I was going to mention before I forget that I, um, 
I, when I moved from Summit County or when I moved to Summit County, I like tried my hand at border cross racing in USASA. And I went, even went to Sean Palmer border cross camp. (laughs) Um, yeah, at the time I just was clueless. Um, my dad was just my go-to guy and I just was like, so like, how does this work? You know? Um, and I didn't have him to really like ask or anything. Um, and yeah, I was like, okay, how do I get sponsors? How do I get money to do this? And I was just kind of like broke, like 21 year old, just paying for these race entrance fees and lift tickets and stuff out of pocket. And I was like, man, I cannot afford this. Um, and so then I stopped doing border cross. Um, and then I just, yeah, like found myself in Montana like eight years ago. Um, and then I rediscovered racing, um, in the form of bank slaloms. And, um, also that's when I discovered backcountry snowboarding. Um, and yeah, that was such a game changer for me. Um, I just love racing bank slaloms and the community that shows up to bank slaloms is just so awesome. Um, and it's just such a good time and like there's so many different ones and so yeah, one of, it's one, just fun. So you sent us some information about yourself and we were uh, looking through it and you mentioned here that uh, you had a racing background. You won your division at LBS. So is that, uh, can you explain what LBS is? Yeah. So it's the legendary bank slalom. Okay, cool. Um, cool. And it's held here at Baker and like it's pretty hard to get into. Um, and it's like, it's like pretty coveted too. It's, it's just like, yeah, well aware of it. Definitely well aware of it. I didn't know it was called the legendary banks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. LBS legendary banks. You won your roll of duct tape, right? Yep. I have gold duct tape from that. Um, (laughs) and I was pretty, thank you. I was pretty close to, um, a a Pendleton blanket, which is what you get if you podium in pro, they podium up to sixth place, but, um, yeah, I uh, I was a tenth of a second behind the sixth place gal, Elena Height. Um, no way. <laughs> and so I just, I like just missed the blanket. We were so close. Um, uh, yeah. And, a tenth uh, of a second. That's You nuts. can taste it, yeah. man. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really close, but yeah, hopefully I'll be able to get in again and try again. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. What do, so tell us about that course and, and riding that course. What do you think of all the bank slaloms that you've ridden? Yeah, that the LBS course is like pretty big and fast and like it's very tiring. But yeah, when I think of it, it's just big and fast. The turns are really big and really high. The banks are crazy. It's in this zone here at Baker called the natural half pipe. Um, and yeah, the course just gets so there's so many people riding it. It also gets a little heinous, just like icy and bumpy and, um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've ridden but a it's few, so much fun. I've ridden a few bank solos myself. I know what it gets like after you've had, you know, once you get to like your second or third run and everybody else has been down it and it starts to get chewed up, mm-hmm. completely understand what that's like. But uh, just always imagine seeing some pretty cool videos, like point of view videos of people riding that course. And, it, you know, it's funny how you mentioned it's it's tiring to go through because it's always uh, every time I run a race, I'm always I'm always a little, you know, a little um, 
surprised at how out of breath I am at the end of the run. Mm -hmm. You know, you just don't even think about the fact it's not, not so much that you're working hard, but you're really just holding your breath in certain spots and just working your way down through the course. Uh, watched a, a point of view video one time where um, that's all you could hear from that rider is just them breathing through that whole course, you know, and just kind of smiling yeah. and laughing at that. Yes. Yeah. You got to remember to breathe. I take 10 deep breaths before I drop into every race. I kind of have this weird little race thing I do. little um, mantra. Yeah, yeah. I listen <laughs> to the same song every race and I take 10 deep breaths before I drop. And I, I only take like one or two warm up runs that day and I don't snowboard for a couple of days beforehand. Like I really save my, save oh, my wow. legs. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep. But unless it's like, I mean, that bank slalom is like that, that one's like big deal to me. Right. Um, but other ones are like more playful and just for the fun, you know, but that one I'm like, okay, game on. It's, it's fun to like get competitive about something every now and then. And I think a big part of it for me is the nostalgia of it. Um, of that and particular race, you mean, or of just like just like getting ready for the race and taking right, it right, seriously, right, right, and right. like my dad taught me to like sit down and like visualize the course. My yes. dad had such a good he had such a good mental game because right. he had to because yep. of his disability. Um, I feel like what he couldn't do physically, he like made up for in his mental game. Right, and yeah, that like that the tips he gave me while he was still alive, we're just like, whoa, okay. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, you uh, wouldn't think it translates over into a uh, snowboarding, but I guess competing is competing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when we were, when he was helping me do it, like doing race stuff in high school, mm-hmm. um, like he gave me a lot of tips then. And so those really translate. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Envisioning the course in your head before you do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun to get, competitive every now and then but other bank slaloms like like the smash life bank slalom that's coming up in march that is like pretty strictly fun you know it's like that that is in montana it's sold out already um but you can still come and just like be a part of the energy it's an incredible event um it's uh in memory of um aaron robinson and also uh dilo um these are both people who snowboarders who have passed away like in the Montana, um, snowboard community and, uh, all the proceeds go to the, um, plant a seed foundation, which is, um, a program in whitefish Montana that helps get like youth on the slopes. Um, so really good cause, um, but just such a good time. And for me, it's kind of like both of my worlds kind of collide because a big group of glacier people go and it's like in Montana with all my old Montana homies. And it's like a really cool, cool energy. Killer. Yeah. But, um, yeah, bank slums are fun. (laughs) I think it's really awesome that people are really helping, um, younger kids get into snowboarding maybe that don't have the ability or the, you know, your parents can't afford to get snowboards um, or get on the hill. And it's great that there's the, you know, the chill foundation Burton, you know, sponsors that one. And there's a lot of that going on as well. Like, you know, she jumps and all these great foundations helping, you know, people get on the hill. Like there's so much fun. There's so much energy. There's so much (laughs) excitement when you snowboard. Like I, you know, I've been doing it forever and it's still like, I I, I don't want to go to work, but I'll tell you when we go snowboarding, I'm up. 
I could yeah, get three hours of sleep sure. and I'm up. Like, I'm like, let's for go. Sure. I don't even sleep in the car because I'll just talk Darren's ear off wherever the driver is. Because I'm like, you're not falling asleep because we ain't dying. So I'm going to chat your ear off. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And because, it's, it's really cool. A lot of these programs are like focused on like kids who are not as privileged. Right, right. Um, and like those are the kids that like really need that thing to get them out of their current situation. Like that was kind of where I was at when I was growing up snowboarding. My parents had a really gnarly divorce and snowboarding like came into my life at the same time and was totally my escape from all of that. And it still, it still serves me in that way. And yeah, I feel for like kids to be able to experience that is like, such a big deal. Well, that's, um, that's Ryan Hudson's background. That's I'm not sure if you listened to his episode yet. Um, oh yeah, I haven't. It's on my list. Oh, you guys have a lot of good ones. Thanks. <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah, no, he, mm-hmm. and that's exactly where he came from is that kind of background. Like he was just like, a, you know, having a rough time getting things going, you know, kind of a rough, rough, up, up, rough upbringing and uh, discovered snowboarding and standing sideways. And it just like, it wasn't an instant change of his life, but it definitely put him in a new path and you know, kind of made him a different person and helped him become who he is today. And it's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> He's also so big incredible. Of that too. Yeah. It's awesome. awesome. So incredible. Yeah. We take for granted how much privilege you really need to get into this sport. You know, oh, yeah. I, I realized that this year we had a really late start of the season here at Baker. Um, and I was like, I was really stoked on surfing. I had just gotten back from Mexico and I was like, all you need in Mexico is your surfboard and like a swimsuit, you know? Um, and then I was like getting all my gear together a couple months later than usual for snowboarding. And I was like, Oh my God, like, Oh yeah, I need, I need this and this yep. and this yep. and this and this and this and this and this. And there's like a million things. And I was mm-hmm. like, geez, like I'm so lucky to be able to have all this stuff and all of this privilege to be able to go and do this. It like blew me away. I just never had that realization before how hard it was just to just to make it onto a chairlift with everything yeah. you need it's like well, ridiculous it's no different than go splitboarding like for me i did the same thing yeah. like i you yeah. know darren got his on a great deal i bought my board i bought a board and then i bought the bindings like a year later cuz they were like 800 dollars canadian yeah and it was like it took me years like i owned the gear the whole setup except for the beacon and shovel or no beacon and probe yeah. i didn't have the beacon and probe and, and it took me years to get out there and because i had the board and i got out once and i was like ah the board's too big and then it just yeah it, but again it's a privilege to be able to put that aside and you know and have have the foresight to buy things slowly instead of going in and yes. spending like two thousand yeah. dollars and be like whoa i just you know blew the bank load the bank totally um, but people people don't look at it that way and it's i'm great that you see that because it is a privilege to be able to go snowboarding and you know we're yeah it's also a privilege for us to still have snow uh you know yes yes most definitely wi- protect our winters is man it's no joke like stuff's changing yeah and, it's um, very real and you know what's crazy i'm just gonna say this quickly but people always think oh i don't see climate change nothing okay but what's happening is these extreme weather shifts is the change mm-hmm. like it's not normal like yes we used to have christmas like when in northern ontario where i'm from in canada christmas was minus 30 for a week every year but now it's like plus five like warm and then it'll shift and everything's changing and so that's where there's like things aren't set in stone anymore now they're just like they're everything's in el nino or el nino and all these like no no climate change quit putting a word on it 
stuff's changing. Yeah, and need, exactly. And uh, snow is a finite resource that we need to make sure we take advantage of and help help keep it going and we need to enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Um yeah, climate change and my rant. But thank thank God, <laughs> thank God for people like Jeremy Jones. Hell like, yeah. And the um, whole foundation, the great human. The whole foundation. Yeah. He he's just like done so many incredible things for snowboarding and like it or like pow yeah um also like on jones's website they have uh like a sustainability um report i don't know if you guys knew this but it's really cool they like do um uh they like audit the factories that um their products get made at to make sure that like everyone's getting treated well there and like making a living wage and like they they like yeah, it's next level. It's really I, next. It's a next level thing in snowboarding. I learned about, I heard about that because Jeremy did a podcast with a guy who, unfortunately, the podcast didn't last, but um, he talked about that, like how he was like, when he went to a, a certain one of his uh, factories and he noticed it was in a town, I don't know where, and uh, the town ran and grew and lived by that factory. And when the owner or the, the, the owner of the factory didn't want to change and do the 3D bases and change his molds and didn't want to spend any more money, Jeremy had to pull out and he realized that like that's going to affect the entire town because that's who they, they live off of the manufacturing of snowboards. So that affected mm-hmm. him a lot. And he was trying to find better places to get these boards built and more, you know, re- like you just said, you know, renewable resources and carbon footprint down. And because mm-hmm. snowboards are heavy duty on the car, on the environment. Like, yeah, they really are. All the garments. That's why people are like, well, how do you make things sustainable? Well, if your your jacket can last you five years, six years, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Is. You know what I mean? Like I've had the same Burton yes. AK coat for seven years now. That's what I love. You see that trend where manufacturers, um, <clears throat> especially the soft goods like that, are they're coming around and not so much after, I mean, you know, business is business, but, um, but at the same time, they're recognizing sustainability and opening up these options where you can get equipment repaired or they've got the secondhand stores, right? Where you can take that manufacturer's stuff and maybe you don't want it anymore, but it's still something that somebody else can use yeah. and you can sell it secondhand. Clean up the Gore-Tex, totally. get, it all, yeah. Yeah. get it all happy again, the yeah, Gore-Tex yeah, yeah. and give Entirely. it up. Entirely. And yes. You, so you ride for Jones. You're an ambassador. Jones. Yes. Yeah. And, I'm a regional ambassador. And I love that you mentioned Jeremy Jones because as soon as you mentioned that, I'm like, I was wondering, like, what got you into the backcountry and splitboarding? Because I know that's what did it for me is back oh, in. No question. It's got to be. I'm going to go back to 2009. A guy that I was working yeah. with, he bought he bought one of the uh, Jones Carbon Solutions, one of the first ones that came out, and I remember him getting that board in a splitboard and. And he got the Karakorum bindings and he was doing the whole thing. And, and I was like, dude, I just split boardings on my brain now. Like I just, I can't get it out of my brain. That's all I think about now is just wanting to get out there and do that. Yeah. It's a whole different thing than snowboarding. It's a whole, whole nother animal. You know, it's like, it's almost, it is, it's like a whole different, it is a whole different sport. It um, is. But yeah, I guess, uh, I moved to Montana, uh, eight years ago. I think actually maybe it would be nine. If you're, if you're looking at seasons as opposed to years, you know, I always can get confused about that. Um, (laughs) but I getcha. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, I went to Montana and when I moved to Montana, I didn't, I like didn't have enough money 
uh, to buy a season's pass and a split board. So it was one or the other. Um, and so I paid for split board stuff. Um, like, uh, I had a board that my partner home split for me and, um, uh, then I just bought all the hardware and stuff. And I'm pretty sure I just used like these old sample bent metal bindings that I had for forever. Um, and, uh, yeah, beacon probe shovel. I dropped in on all that stuff. And for my first year of splitboarding, um, I was living in Missoula and I like mainly just toured on Lolo pass, like as much as I could. Um, and Marshall mountain, this little, old ski area by Missoula. That's not a ski, ski area anymore. Um, it was like, there was like no avalanche terrain there. So you could just go like mm. at night and go for tours. And so I would do what? that all the time by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that was, it was just really fun. I would go back and just pal surf it now, but, nice. um, yeah, it was a really gentle, fun way to get introduced to split boarding and just get used to it. And, um, yeah, Lolo pass was really cool. Um, and has some really fun terrain there. Um, uh, and yeah, some like pillow features. Those were like the per- first pillows I rode. Nice, um, nice. and yeah, I, Montana was like lots of adventure boarding. Um, and that was, that was really, really fun. It was really cool to get my bearings in Montana. Um, I, uh, yeah, I would, uh, did some adventures in the bitter roots and, um, would, I went to Cook City and went to the Woody Creek cabin, I think it's called. That oh, was yeah. like a pretty cool, like, um, I guess that was my second hot trip. Cause I got my Avi one at yurt ski in the Swan Mountains. <laughs> yeah. That was a really cool thing. I think it, maybe it was she jumps. It was like Avi one, all women's. We stayed in a yurt for the weekend. It was like oh, really man. cool, That's really a- cool introduction to yeah. like avalanche safety stuff. Um, and then, yeah, uh, I love, love hot trips. Um, went to the bear tooths in the spring. Um, I think, did I do that one year or two years? I can't remember, but that was incredible. It was really cool to see the, or just like ride terrain off the bear tooth highway. It's like in between cook city and red lodge. Um, and, um, yeah, that is really fun. Good spring skiing. There's like coolars right off the side of the road. Um, just, yeah, sweet, sweet terrain, real, real terrain right off the side of the road. <laughs> did you, uh, at that point with all the great terrain, were you using a, did you capture that with your GoPro? Um, I didn't, um, I wish I would have gotten more of it and it's been so long. Like I, I know I took like pictures with my GoPro, but, hmm. um, yeah, I, I wish I had more videos of it, but I, yeah, I have some pictures. <laughs> nice. Do you use yeah. a GoPro now? Um, yes, I, I do. Um, mine's a little beat up, but, uh, it's it works sometimes. GoPro. Yeah. <laughs> Means you're using it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're, uh, <clears throat> we asked because we are going to give you a grill mount from Pro Standard. The owner is Ken Achenbach. He has a grill mount made up. It's a um, heat moldable. You want to do it, Darren? Can I? Can yeah, I, please? I'm going to mumble it up. So go ahead. You're the best at it. The grill mount is a GoPro mount uh, that uh, that was, you know, 
uh, envisioned by Ken Achenbach. He used and to own the Camp of Champions. Yeah, he and his daughter collaborated on this and came up with some ideas. Um, it's a GoPro mount that you hold in your teeth, hence the name grill mount. Um, what's awesome about it is uh, your head is the best gimbal, right? So it's it's quite the POV using a grill mount. And, you know, you can use it for just about anything, not just snowboarding. Surfing and mountain biking and walking your dog. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Depends Thanks, how guys. intense you are on your, you know, your content. And, but yeah, we're going to hook you up with one of those. Um, there is you. no choice of colors. They only have white right now. So Darren, any of, the, <laughs> any of the listeners, he's all like black, black, black. But anyways, white it's ones Because black was so popular, Chad. I know. He needs to get this. He needs to get the gold grill mount like the girls talked about. That's right. Oh, yeah. Jessica Gilbert was all gold. about the gold grill mount. <clears throat> I think Jordan yeah. Keith was as well. It's called it? spray paint. Psh, psh, psh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I so like that idea. That's We're going to hook you up. So next time you have, you can, and these are easy because you just stick them in your pocket, like your front breast pocket of your jacket. And um, yeah, you don't have to worry about, I mean, is my helmet on? Am I, is my GoPro on? Am I Teletubby looking thing going on? <laughs> That's um, right. No more Teletubby. No, you just can look at it and you can just turn it on and go. So yeah, we'll hook you up Heck with yeah. one, of those, one of those. Stoked. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. So you, Montana, right? You, you, you mentioned the, the bitter. Well, you mentioned the bitter roots because okay, yeah. you know one of the other piece of information you sent us was uh, was a uh, a drop you did into a big gigantic shoot there. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, that's called the Goddess Shoot, and I'm I might have trouble remembering some of the other names, but um, I don't know. Maybe it was yeah, the Goddess Shoot, and it was like kind of a haul. It's near. Darby, Montana. Um, actually, is it the wet up the West Fork Road? Maybe I do remember more names than I think. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was like pretty far back. I think like for at the time for me, like comparatively as like a a kind of new. Not, I guess I was flipboarding for a few years, but I think it was like four or five miles into it. Um, so that's how and, far back you had to go. Yeah. And, um, like there was a uh, old fire lookout, like two miles from the shoot. Um, and uh, yeah, my partner and I went and tried to do it one day and then, um, we like got there way later than we thought, like to the top of the shoot and we looked down into it and it was just like, there was like a couple overhanging cornices and some convexities below those cornices. It was just really loaded at the top. And, um, we decided not to do it. And, uh, then this like crazy storm, like rolled in, like, um, essentially before we got to the fire lookout. Um, and we decided, cause there was kind of some weird, like traversey, type terrain and there was definitely some no fall zones and we didn't want to do that in the dark. Um, so we ended up just spending the night in this fire tower. Mm. Um, and it was pretty memorable. We like, there was some firewood inside. Yeah. We were like totally unprepared to spend the night. I mean, I brought, I brought an emergency blanket. That's like something I like to keep in my pack. Um, and, uh, 
there was like an old like gross sleeping bag in the tower <laughs> and yeah it was a it was like a real adventure we found some like canned beans or something in the in their food stash there and i guess this fire tower is like maintained by um the people who live on the row or the yeah the, there's like some people in the community who maintain it um yeah, and thanks to them, it like totally saved us. So, do um, they maintain it as an emergency, you know, shelter um, spot, or do they maintain it as a fire lookout? I think they just maintain it so that like people like them and their friends can like go enjoy it, you know? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, right. And yeah, like we we're really lucky to find that ratty old sleeping bag and some wood and some food in there and spend the night. Um, and yeah, that was, that was an adventure. It was pretty cool. And it was really cold in there, super drafty. And the fire was like, not quite good enough, but the emergency blanket definitely helped us stay a little warmer in that ratty old sleeping bag. Um, and then, so we didn't do it that time. And we came back of, I forget what the time in between was, but, um, my partner Blaine and I went back and, uh, made another st- attempt and um we we wrote it this time and yeah it was just like the biggest terrain I had been in at that time um and it was definitely like whoa I wanna I want to keep doing this but it was it was wild like there was huge giant debris piles in there um and yeah it just like went from so high straight to the valley floor um and uh yeah four thousand 4,000 feet and how long does that take to get down? (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, well, man, I honestly don't, I don't even remember. Um, did you stop periodically because of the debris hanging around or? Yeah, we did. You know, we would, we would, uh, it was really wide. Like it wasn't like a tight, it wasn't like a tight shoot. Um, it was really wide, which made it like a little more, dangerous for like avi conditions like like you could tell that when it went it went huge Mm. you know it was like the biggest debris piles i had seen yet um and really gnarly um so there's a lot of space to kind of like just like we would ride and then like stop and look at things and like keep going you know um Mm. kind of meet back up um but yeah that was my first like real deal terrain I got into. Um, and and yeah, yeah. I was definitely hooked on splitboarding before that. Like I just love the bigger shoots and stuff like that's. Oh yeah. 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 I, I'd like to still, I'd like to take my riding more and more in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I know I I see, I see the snowboarding videos. These guys are doing these crazy spines in like Alaska. And I'm like, I would love to, but I am right now scared shitless of doing that stuff. I know it's a definitely a progression in that area. Again, having access to a helicopter would definitely help and blah, 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 blah. That's, you know, I got to say, like, I know we see a lot of that in, especially in Jones videos. I mean, that's the Travis Ray stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those, Mm -hmm. those are like extreme angles, right? Like those are some pretty extreme slopes right there. When you see them jumping, yeah. they, they get some massive speed coming off that first little jumps they do. And then these, you know, and it's like crazy. Yeah. So let me, I'm, I'm kind of curious, Shauna, because your progression into the backcountry and I mean, wham, you're, you know, like you're, you're riding the, the Montana backcountry as much as you can. 
Um, and then you're going and, and doing this big, uh, this big hike into the goddess shoot. Um, obviously you have your AVI training already at that point. Um, in, mm -hmm. in your experience in the backcountry, have you ever experienced any close calls with avalanches or any sketchy conditions, anything like that? Um, uh, uh, I, I had a close call, but it was not in the backcountry. Um, oh. was it like inbounds? <laughs> Yeah, it was well, <laughs> kind of inbounds at Mount Baker. Um, oh yeah, uh, okay. w yeah. When I first moved here, so at Mount Baker, like I'm always beeping. I'm always wearing my beacon. I always have my backpack with all of my Avi gear. It's just part of riding at Mount Baker, right? Um, and uh, um, because it gets so real so fast there, um, and just the terrain that's like. I still don't know to this day if it's like technically in bounds terrain. Like I don't, I don't know if it is or not. It's just the extreme danger zones. Right. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, there's this one zone that's like really steep and it's like barely, um, it's like barely a run even. It's just like this weird maneuvering through pillows and trees and like, um, it's really, really big. And my first year at Baker, I followed a friend in there and, um, yeah, I was just like, I, I just was, I should have been on my toe edge. I was on my heel edge and it was really icy and really steep. And you had like, you needed to have like a hand, like handholds. Mm. Um, and I didn't have anything near me. And that's when I realized like, oh no, I should be on my toe edge. And I was like, well, if I budge, I'm like, I don't want to fall. Um, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to get up really quick and I'm just gonna like, like hop turn and get over there and do what I need to do. And the second I got up on my edge and was about to hop turn, like I slipped and slid into this chute. Um, and, uh, like I needed to go right, but below me was like bad, like no fall, no fall zone there. Um, and I ended up like entering this chute upside down because I, um, there was a couple trees there. This whole air zone is like treed. And so there's like a couple trees there. And I tried like hooking one of the trees with my arm. Um, and that, yeah, that's what threw me upside down. And then, uh, I just like, was like falling like through all of these treetops, just like whapping trees and oh, stuff man. with my, yeah, it was super gnarly. And like, I had my arms like around my head um, to protect it. Cause I wasn't wearing a helmet, oh, which I will not take off now. I yeah. always wear my helmet. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just like was whapping all these trees with my elbows and just like upside down falling. And, um, so it was pretty steep then. If you're getting yeah, that kind of momentum. Very, yeah. very steep. It, yeah. It's like, it's like a kind of just like a cliff kind of, um, oh, but with trees, but yeah. with trees there. Yeah. And so I ended up falling like a hundred feet like that through the trees and stuff. Um, and, uh, landed in the bottom at this powder field. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like lost my gloves. I lost my goggles. I lost my hat. Like Yard I saw my, yeah, total. On, I just, everything on. that wasn't connected to me, I lost. Um, and so I just like, w I saw my goggles hanging in a tree a little further up. And so I went back up and got them, but I totally thought like I was impaled or something when I got to the bottom. Maybe I just like checked. I was like, Oh my God, do I have all my limbs? Like, what? <laughs> this is crazy. Um, 
But yeah, I ended up being fine, but it was a really big learning experience. And yeah. since then I have this funny, like, I, I'm not going to call it funny, but, um, I have a like relationship with fear that I'm working on. Yeah. It's just like, essentially it's like a risk reward relationship. And it's also, um, I mean, that's something that everyone has going on, you know, when you're like weighing choices in the backcountry, but, um, yeah, it just like gave me a new relationship with fear. Um, so, so what are, and, what are some of the things that help you overcome it? Like when you, when you talk about that relationship with fear and dealing with that and some of the consequences and the risk versus reward and all that stuff. Like I know for myself, um, it was last, last year we, Chad and I went down to, uh, to the golden British Columbia area and we rode a resort called kicking horse. And, uh, for me, um, that was some of the steepest, deepest yeah, stuff that I'd ever been same in, you know? And same. I remember, I remember mm. sitting at the top of it thinking, fuck, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if I can do this, but I'll give it a shot. Um, and, and I think some of the thoughts that were going through my head were physically, like physically, can I, like the fear part is there, but I know physically, mm. if I can handle it, then I'll be able to, to physically manage getting through there. Mentally will come mm -hmm. afterwards maybe. Right. And, and the reward part of it will help, will help boost my mental part of the fear part of it. But, uh, and for me, for me, sorry to cut you off there on that. But for me, it was the, the, the equipment. I wasn't used to riding that board. Uh, and I found myself not feeling very comfortable. I feel, I feel like you really need to, you know, ride your backcountry boards, you know, in all terrains. So you are ready. So you, and your brain's ready. I felt like I wasn't like, in tune with my gear, if that makes any sense. But mm. that was mm -hmm. my fear. I worried about, uh, like Darren was saying, I'm I fearless that way. And that's what makes us different. <laughs> you know, we did a little shoot there and I was like, we're all staying at the top of it. And the two guys we were with, um, they, you know, Michael, um, Wiggly, Michael Wiggly and Ben. And they're like, okay guys, you know, and then turn talking and I'm like gone. And I didn't do it amazingly because I was like, okay, I've never done this before, but I, I just, I just go. And that's kind of, I guess, half my problem. But, um, <laughs> but if I feel good with my gear, I have no problem. Like, and that's, I was having a, a, an issue with my board that day. Uh, just not used to it. But, but yet you mm. still just dropped. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's snow. Like, let's go. Let's, we're doing this once in a life. Like, let's have fun. That's kind of my mindset. But yeah, it's awesome that you've, you've figured out those things and you've, you've been able to work through your awareness of, of when you get into these kind of areas, right? That's the key is being aware of yeah. your limitations and what you want to push yourself through. Yeah. So what I was getting to is like mentally preparing, but physically, like you, like you talked about how now you stretch in the morning, you roll yourself out, you know, is there, mm -hmm. is there an exercise regime that you go through to make yourself stronger for attempting or taking on bigger challenges in the backcountry? Um, you know, I, wish I was better at that. I'm really working on it. Um, there's this new gym down in Bellingham that I've been meaning to get to. It's so hard cause I'm an hour from Bellingham. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. and when I, when I go down to the city, it's like to get groceries and I have all these places to stop and all this stuff to do. And it's, it's a lot and it's expensive to go down there. Like gas adds up. Um, oh, yeah. and yeah, I live in an RV and I just try to get outside and like, like, 
I'll go for runs. Um, and I will like go mountain biking and I'll do like, there's this little workout I like to do. It's a seven minute workout <laughs> and that's pretty user friendly for my, my space. Cause I literally just have like a tiny little space in my RV and I can't right. even put my hands up all the way. And then I have outside. And so, yeah, I really try to just like be outside. And also I have the mindset that, um, you know, to like, the best way to prepare for something is to do it. We talk about that all the time. during. And I mean, like training to prevent injury is like, definitely that is like an incredible thing to do. I feel, um, but yeah, I also feel like the best way to practice something is to do it. Yeah. Get involved, get figured yeah. out. The muscles will get memory and learn as you do it. And it's kind of, yeah. And that's the inception of this podcast. You know, Darren and I are like, well, you know, we don't get out much and I'm like, well, we need to make this happen so that we can get out more. And this is, uh, yeah, it's, it's just also a dream come true to be able to talk to people like yourselves and, and learn things and learn, you know, talk to some of the other bigger guests that we have. And it's, it's, it's been awesome because that all that awareness and their experiences and your experiences, it, it just helps us and it helps everybody else learn something new that you probably can't get in a course, uh, you know, and that's, yeah. you know, where our podcast is really focused in on awareness, safety, loving your, you know, your, your stories. And that's kind of what this is all about. I'm super grateful that, uh, you know, people are willing to talk to us because <laughs> who's Chad, yeah. who are Chad and Darren at this point? Like who are, you know, we're just two guys that are, you know, excited about snowboarding. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. I feel like the premise of your podcast is really helpful to everyone. Cause we can like, we, we can never learn enough. No. Like even like, even like guides and stuff are like, they're like, yeah, like I am always learning. I'm going to be learning my whole life, you know? So like, yeah, there's always something to learn and having a resource like this is like, you can just turn it on in the car and listen to it is really, really big. So it thanks is. for doing this. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you for coming <laughs> yeah. on. It's all about, yeah. it's all about the guests for us. You know, without you guys, we would be nothing. So that's how it goes yeah. in my mind anyways. So oh. talk, <laughs> talking about like, preparing to do something, just doing it and, and having that part of your preparation. Uh, can we talk about your, uh, your human powered bike to split board summit descent trip that you did? Yeah, totally. Um, like how yeah, did you get so, into that idea? Like how did that, <laughs> how did that crop up in your brain? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I guess I just like learned about the, live like Liz adventure grant from Jones. Right. Um, and the original idea was a human powered, like circumnavigation of Mount Baker. Um, but yeah, I definitely, um, that I, I learned that I bit off more than I could chew and that that was kind of far fetched. <laughs> um, but, oh yeah, I, I forgot to mention that my first year here at Baker, I also took a glacier travel and crevasse rescue class oh, up, okay, yeah. up on, um, the Coleman Deming, like near that route. Um, and uh, yeah, learned a lot in that class. Um, and then, then applied for this grant. Um, and yeah, learned human powered circ circumnavigation was a lot. Uh, but we biked up there and we summited and yeah, we, we biked up. I think the road is like eight miles long 
um, to get up to the trailhead. And my, it was like the heaviest bike of my life. I had my, I had my split board and all of my split board stuff. And then we had mountaineering stuff and then we had snow camping stuff and it was just so much gear. Um, and there's people now like, like Stratton, um, he's on Instagram as cascade connections. Like he, he does this like every day. It's like, not, it's like not that big of a deal now. It's crazy. Like it's just so next level what he's doing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, we, we biked up there and camped and got a good summit and it was really cool. And every time I go up there, I learn more. Um, and every time I go up there, I feel more confident and, um, yeah, I guess I never really like finished your question about the men- mental preparation aspect, um, of that kind of stuff. But like, I feel like, like being prepared like in every way that you can for something really helps your mental game. Um, and just, yeah, being ready. And one of the ways to do that is to like really get to know the terrain that you're going to ride. And Jeremy Jones talks about this a lot too, like in how he like camps on glaciers and just spends time with the line he's going to ride and gets to know it in all different conditions and like keeps an eye on it for a while. Um, and then when he's ready and the window's there, he goes for it. Um, and yeah, that's something that like really, really resonates. Um, cause the more time you spend in terrain, the more comfortable you get with it, the more you learn about it and get to know it. And yeah, I feel like that's a really big, a really big factor because things that I want to ride on Mount Baker, um, like I would have looked at it a few years ago and been like, I'm like never going to ride that. That's completely, that's completely insane, but it's like, it seems doable now. And like, I'd like to ride it one day. Yeah. Um, That's, that's interesting that you mentioned that because in a lot of his movies, they're camped at the base, you know, in that, uh, like a bowl. That valley bottom yeah. where they got where they got their lines and they're a lot of times I always thought when I was watching the movies like they're just waiting out weather or something like that. I never thought about the process, quote unquote, right? Of just watching the lines and watching the the weather and the and the build. You know, like it's it's amazing sometimes when you watch those movies and they'll look at that face. And then a couple of days later, after a storm, they'll look at that same face again. You just see it loaded up with mm, spines, mm. right? And then they're ready yeah, to get out there, which the is which amazing. Coming yeah, from yeah. And, yeah. But mm-hmm. I get that. I get that process of like watching the line and and doing that. So I'm I'm really interested in your your that trip that you did that bike to splitboard trip. You know, you mentioned uh, the heaviest bike you've ever ridden because all the gear you had. Just, like, just I, I want to dig a little bit more into it because. Yeah. I'm, I'm the tech guy. Like I'm, I'm the analyst Mm -hmm. in that sense. Like I just, I like to know, you know, uh, like winter camping, um, you know, near an aspect like that, that's something I've never done. Um, and I would really like to get into it. So gear wise, I mean, we don't have to dive deep into that, but I mean, you had Mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff. That's a lot of stuff to go up there with. So, you know, when you're riding up with all that gear, are you pulling trailers or is it all on your back and your bike? That's the first thing I thought too. (laughs) When you get, when you convert to, when you get to the trailhead and then you start splitting, are you pulling bulk sleds or how's that all working? Um, yeah, we just had everything on our bikes, like on, um, yeah, I, I have a bike touring setup. Um, and that definitely made things easier to be all dialed with that. Um, and yeah, we just loaded up our bikes and, um, 
yeah, the pictures are kind of ridiculous. My bike just has so much stuff on it. Um, you got to send us pictures of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. I'll get, I'll get you guys some of those. Um, but yeah, it was like real, there's a lot of logistics, like how no to pack doubt. and like what we were going to, we ended up stat so we biked to where the snow started the first day. And then we just set up camp and camped there, um, on the snow, uh, at the trailhead and stashed our bikes in the woods, um, and then put everything on our backs and made our way up. And that was really tough too. Like it takes like, like I said, I think the best way to like practice stuff is just to do it. Um, and like they like doing that with such a heavy pack is like, like multi-day trips with that heavy pack is just insane. Like, How heavy a pack would you say? Oh my God. I don't, I don't even know. It was just like. Better to not it, know probably. Right? Yeah. It was so heavy. And since then I've gotten that set up a little more dialed and sure. a little more lightweight. Um, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was really heavy. That's um, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Super but I, cool. I love snow camping and it's, it's like, it's like that privilege thing we were talking about. Like it takes even more privilege to just get all of the, have, be able to buy the splitboard stuff, you know, and backcountry stuff. And then this is like a whole nother layer oh, yeah. of gear oh, yeah. you need. And it's, it's a lot. Um, yeah. And it's, and, uh, it's expensive, right? Cause like a good tent is not a cheap, you know, a good tent for backcountry camping winter camping in the winter i mean just the mm-hmm. tent the sleeping pad the yeah, bag yeah. you know like all of that is totally yeah that's a lot of money yeah but uh yeah but well worth right because you you got to be comfortable i bet the the worst part of uh winter camping is waking up in the morning yeah <laughs> and the sunsets the sunsets are just like the best the best oh, the best, best part, part of it. that's yeah, yeah. yeah no, no. that yeah um yeah i still feel like i'm not totally as dialed as I'd like to be for winter camping, the volcanoes, volcano season in Washington is and like Oregon too is, is pretty cool. It's like a pretty friendly, like introduction I feel to snow camping. Um, and cause it's warmer temperatures and, huh, okay. um, you know, the sun comes out and warms everything up and dries everything out during the day. Um, but yeah, like camping in the throes of winter i feel like is a is a whole nother game um it just it just seems like there's more more even more logistics you know you have to have a super warm bag and um stuff like that but there's a lot of cool tips and tricks um that i learned especially in the class i took um like you want to have two uh two sleeping pads really helps um like one like z light pad like those folding ones and then one insulated blow up pad that makes such a big difference. Um, how so can you explain that in a little more? I think just the more insulation, the better, you know, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you can also like put your wet stuff in your sleeping bag with you at night. That seems counterintuitive, but your body heat like does dry it all off. And it also, I found it also kind of works as insulation, you know? Um, inside your bag. Uh, and then another fun thing that I learned from my guide on the, in my class was, um, if you bring a rope with, which I always bring onto volcanoes, um, 
because if you fall in a crevasse, you're going to need that and a harness and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can like flake your rope out underneath your sleeping bags or your pads or whatever, and it helps keep you warmer. Um, we did this for a friend, uh, her first time snow camping, um, cause she only brought one sleeping pad and she stayed way warmer that night. Um, nice. And yeah, pro tips. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And also down booties, Mm. like in, in the shells of your snowboard boots. Um, that's like really good, good way to just like keep your feet warm, but not be in your snowboard boots for like walking around your camp and stuff. Right. Um, that's a big one there. So pull your liners out and just put your down booties on and slip your feet into the shell of your boots. Yeah, exactly. Sweet. Love it. Dang. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Good, good. Just dropping the kids. Keep it coming. <laughs> Can we, that's, those it, are my best winter camping tips. I don't know. I think that's all of them. <laughs> that's good. No, no. It's all good. Since we're, since we're talking about that, can we, can we just dive into your, just your regular splitboard gear? I don't want to get into all the back, backcountry camping stuff. Cause I, I'm sure we could spend a bunch of time doing that, but, but just your regular backcountry splitboard kit. Like like let's dive into your pack. Like let's start with your board, your bindings, your boots. Like what's your stuff of choice there? Yeah. Um I ride a 152 Jones Solution split. Um, I love it. It's just a really versatile, pretty light board. Um and I I think in a splitboard I would rather have something that's more versatile. I love those fun shapes, but, um, yeah, I, I'd like something that could ride switch really easily and stuff. Um, and, uh, just as like super multifunctional. Um, so I love the solution for that. Um, and then I have some pretty old spark. I think they're called magneto bindings. I've had them forever. I love them. They're great. And they're really user friendly. Um, and then I have some like of the spark skins. I think they started making them last year, the year before or something. I think, I think they're at the same place that the, there's like a big sky skin company. Big or sky, something. Yeah. Big sky mountain products. Yeah. We're, uh, yeah, we're tied pretty yeah. tight with those guys actually. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Shout um, out to Jackson. Pretty... Sorry. Nice. <laughs> oh, all good. Yeah. They're, they're pretty great. They're really sticky. Um, and uh, yeah the glue is insane on those skins. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're really sticky. Um, Plus if I could throw a little tip at you, Jackson and I were just going back and forth on emails and he mentioned best way to store their skins is glue on glue over the summer. Bam. Oh nice, cool. Yeah. That's good. He good says to know. Their, their glue likes to do that. It's it's better to store them that way. Which is counterintuitive oh, okay. because every time I've always stored skins for the summer, it's always been with some skin savers or something like that. Totally. Um, yeah. But yeah. No, he's like glue on glue, man. That's the way to go. Good tip. I'll remember go. that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, you can make sure you go uh, listen to the episode that we did with him on split decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I definitely need to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll do that for sure. Cool. Um, All right. So sorry. You're talking about, so those are your skins. So we got your, we got your yes. board, we got your bindings, we got your skins. What boots are you rocking? Um, so I got a pair of the Jones 32, um, uh, boots. I feel like they're, that's maybe not the right name for them, but they're like the ones with the, like, it's like a mountaineering 
like Vibram Soul. They're so oh, yeah, burly. Yeah, the MTBs. Um, the Jones MTBs. Yeah, probably. MTBs. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's yep. it. The MTBs. And yeah. they have a walk mode. Yes. Which is pretty cool. Yes, uh, yes, yes. And um, yeah, they're really, really great for... I'm really particular about my boots. Like, yeah. I That is like what I always struggle with. Um, I've had like some foot problems in the past and my feet are really, really picky with boots. Um, I always have custom made insoles. They're really expensive, but super worth it. What do you mean um, you always have custom made insoles? Can you break that down a little bit? Like where do you get them from? How does that happen? Yeah. Um, a lot. I've, I found that not all boot fitters do this, but yeah, you have to go to a boot fitter. And, um, I do that with most of my boots. I, t- after I kind of break them in a little bit, I find like the pressure points and bring them into a boot fitter and they help like work out some of those pressure points. They can like shave away the foam and add more foam and, like it's incredible. Um, but yeah, the custom made insoles, um, some boot fitters do them. Um, I, I have a guy in Missoula still who I like to have do my custom made insoles cause all of them that he's made have just worked so well. Um, and they just have these like certain insoles that you can heat up and then you put your foot in them and it like molds your foot. Sweet. Um, and yeah, they just like, they're game changers for me. Um, I have a super crazy arch in my foot. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. Um, do you get but, a lot of, yeah. do you get a lot of pressure points on the top of your, your instep then? So like, is that, has that been an issue for you in the past? Yes. Like the top of my foot, uh, both of my feet have these like big, like, bone growths on them, I guess, from snowboard boots and stuff. Um, yeah. And then also, um, I had sesamoiditis was the other thing, which is the, like, there's this little bone in the ball of your foot, um, that like moves like your patella, like your kneecap. Oh, weird. And yeah. And I had issues with that in, um, both of my feet from just, I think mainly just like impact, um, in too small of boots combination, but, um, yeah. So the, my metatarsals, like the ball of my foot, um, is kind of a sensitive area too. What she says brings light to what John Kepler said in the episode with Phantom that no boots don't come with good insoles. Like the insoles are just like a piece of cardboard type style with no real support or, you know, that's why you get into the remind or the other souls. So yeah, I, I get it. I've been, uh, I hear your pain. I, I went to a, I had a normal size boot that fit my foot well in the store. Two year, a year, year of riding, it packs out. Now I'm slopping around. And then, so I went down a size and then I play the game of like packing the boots out. Then I put the, I keep, take the old liners out, put some re, my rewinds in or reminds in, sorry. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, then the boot feels like it's new again and it's tight and it's not going to get heel lift, but the, the support in that sole is incredible. You know, it helps with the rigidity yes. of the boot and it's a, it's a game changer. Definitely if people would look at getting a new sole in their boots, they probably would change their board, like their whole riding because... Oh, yeah. Yeah, John John in the fa- Phantom, he, he talked about that with their boot and that, that was an awareness for me. I had no idea that that's really, you know, those insoles are just crappy pieces of cardboard plastic well foam you know, totally yeah your boots i feel like make such a big difference because oh, that yeah. is like your first connection to 
all of, you know, your board. Um, and yeah, I, I like to have nice, tight, stiff boots. Same, That's same. really helps, really helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we also, unless if you've listened to the episode with 32, I'm dropping all these old John Tacow. John oh, yeah. I got to listen to that one too. Yeah, yeah. So oh, many good ones. Man. You got some catching up to do, Shauna. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. It's good though. Like we're doing, I like this new season that we've got going on with a lot of this tech stuff and split decisions. It really helps to get an awareness of what's out there and, you know, make it help you make that decision whether you want that boot or, or that product. So, yeah. I'm yeah. Glad, and yeah. I'm glad you bring some great insight. This has been awesome. Yeah. Killer. Awesome. All right. I'm glad. All right. So we get the, so we're working our way up. So gear, your, your, uh, your outerwear, what you wearing there? Oh uh, yeah. I, um, I do true outerwear. I love true. Nice. Um, I'm super stoked because they, there's this one bib they make called the Kapow bib. Um, and they've been doing like men's Kapow bibs for a long time. Um, and it's more of like a touring style bib. Um, but they haven't been doing women's Kapows, but they, they, just this last year, they started doing women's Kapows and like, they're so awesome. I'm so stoked on them. So those are like my new touring bibs. Okay. Why um, do you, all the time? Why do you like those bibs so much? Um, so it's a little less like material at the top. It's like more of this stretchy, I don't even know exactly what material it is, but it's not like the bib material. Um, it's this stretchy, like more breathable material. So it's like the, it's like the perks of like a full bib without all that material. Cause you get so hot, right. um, touring in it. Um, and yeah, that's the main reason. Okay, cool. So yeah. just yeah. let everybody know. You can purchase any kind of true gear on our website, darkstars.ca, go into the partners area and the shopping area. And true gear is uh, right there. Anything you purchase supports the show. And we are, uh, yeah. Is there a discount code? Not at this point. Ah, Not at this point. We are working on that. But anyways, thanks for busting the bubble on that one, Darren. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, let's, get, let's have some incentive. But. Well, yeah, no, but it just helps. Like, yeah, we're working on that with them. We're getting better. We're building a better partnership. And uh, we're looking to get ourselves some of those Kapow bibs, actually. So we're just... Supply oh, nice. chain You'll this year. Supply chain this year has just been a nightmare for us. Are you so familiar, Shauna, with why it's called the Kapow bib? Um, it is probably Kapow guiding. Is yes. that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We did an episode. Marty Schaefer of Kapow Mar- Guiding. Yes, another Blanket guy we talked to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, yes, I was uh, going to go there that, or like the year of COVID with oh. True. Oh, yeah. Um, But then COVID happened, but I was so close. One day right. I hope to get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, a dream. So do we. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Marty, Marty's uh, quite the character and he's, uh, he's one of the models on the True website when you're looking at the Kapow gear. Yeah. Yeah, Marty. Marty seems awesome. Oh, I he's, he's really hope to meet him one day. Fantastic individual. He does a great video where, uh, um, just a quick little education video about taking your jacket and packing it in your pack. He calls uh, this is how I jack it off, and <laughs> he talks about how he just deals with his jacket and put it in his pack. Mm-hmm. It's a little funny little oh, play on words. He's that's a funny hilarious. Dude. Yeah. And, and again, there's another <laughs> episode of him and uh, past episode with Marty. It was a fantastic episode with Marty. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Early days awesome. of dark starts. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. amazing. It's so cool. True gear, killer gear. All right, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love my true stuff. Um, and then let's see what else. Backpack. Um, backpack. 
Backpack. I have, I actually need a backpack upgrade right now. <laughs> um, I'm trying to get an airbag because um, oh. I have the airbag component, but I just need the pack part. Um, oh. But I have been rocking like my, my uh, like volcano, like, like big tour or multi-day pack um, right now. Um, and yeah, it's like a deuter. Oh man, I think it's a 60 liter, but it expands, you know, wow, kind of like a backpack. Big. Yeah. Man, it's kind of like pack. a back, like a backpacking backpack or maybe, maybe it's a 40 liter. It might be a 40. I, I honestly, I think I can fit in a 60 liter and pack me up the mountain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I think I'm, kidding, man. I think I'm, I think I'm wrong on that. I think it's 40 or 45. It's the Deuter, Deuter guide pack. I forget what the model is. Um, but yeah, it's great. It has like ski carry and it has, um, it's expandable. You can fit a lot of stuff in it. Um, I always have my helmet. Um, and I love packs with a helmet carry, but I just have been throwing mine inside this one. But like I said, I need a new touring pack, like really bad. Um, well pack that size. Of course you can stick it. You can stick your helmet inside the pack. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's been kind of awkward with that pack lately. I'm not going to lie, but, um, but yeah, hopefully soon I'll get a different one. And the Jones, um, the Jones airbag pack. Oh my God. I'm so excited to get one of those. That's what I've got my eye on. Do, do they have the, uh, the hammock for your helmet on this one? I know they, Darren's, Darren's oh, doesn't not on my Deuter pack, but, um, the Jones on, I believe. Yeah. Yep. They do. Um, I don't know about their smaller packs, but, uh, okay. like they have a 19 liter one. I don't know if that one has that's a helmet small. carry, but yeah, that's, that's a great like inbounds pack. Um, yeah, a little heli pack, kind of just kind of rock it on the cat day, cat boarding yeah. day, just bring your essentials and yeah, there you go. Maybe, you know, you can always yeah. do that with a bigger pack too. You can just, yeah, they all shrink. They all have down. sides. Yeah. I just picked up a Burton AKA, um, dispatch 28, 25 liter pack. It's. It's a good size for the day trips, but not enough, nothing for, you know, a big mission, just little quickie. Yeah. Nice. I, I nice. Because there's, yeah. there's a helmet hammock, or you want to call it, and my other one's never had that. And it's, yeah, it's well designed. <clears throat> yeah. Nice. Cool. So what's Yeah, the helmet your, carry is so big. Yeah, it is. So what's kind of in your pack besides, you know, we got the beacon shovel probe. Now we're trying to push, you know, we're not pushing, but we're kind of advocates of beacon shovel probe and having a radio because that's like another huge safety feature in the backcountry, uh, even in bounds. Like we use them all the time at Powder King because Chad likes to venture off and I've said that many times, but you know, it's yeah. proven itself time and time again that the little radios we have of just like, it's the game changer. Totally. Yeah. I, I agree. The radios are super great in the backcountry. Um, yeah. And in bounds, those are good to have. Um, I have a BCA one. Nice. Um, I like it, but the like little clip broke and it did that on my partners too. Um, and so like right now my radio is ski strapped and his is ski strapped and we can't really see the screen on the part of the radio that goes inside your pack, you know? Oh um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, maybe they'll fix that. I think it's kind of a design flaw cause I've heard a lot of people have that issue, but also a lot of my friends are getting the Rocky talkies. And those seem like really foolproof and like really easy to, easy to work. Interesting. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, we will look into those guys actually. Yeah. Rock, Rocky talkie is really clever name too. I really right? love that name. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, in my, in my pack, um, I also, I'm known to like pack way too many snacks. Um, <laughs> if, if I like some people can like do like they can handle hunger really well, but I am not one of those people. I just like get really spacey and just kind of stop working. Same, same um, so I like really need like as much food as I could possibly imagine. Um, so I do lots of snacks. Um, and then I have my in reach, um, and first aid kit and emergency blanket and, um, what else? Oh, an extra lacing system is like really, and and this is, I really love traditional lace up boots, but, um, I have a really hard time like finding good ones for women. I have a really small foot. It's size seven women's foot. And, um, yeah, I wish I could fit in a men's boots. Well, the new, uh, the new 30, sorry, catch up the new 32, which one, not the MTB, the other one down is the T TM, the TM, TM two women, Elena height boot is definitely what it's got laces. It's got a strap. Uh, you should probably have a look, go listen to the episode. 32 episode you'll figure out oh uh, yeah yeah i love all these episode <clears throat> references as resources they're great well that's what the whole that's there's the, also a bca episode there is we <laughs> had a great one with uh, yeah yeah sorry Mr. BCA. no 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 don't <laughs> be sorry no they like you know just like everybody else in order to improve the product i mean they they like the the suggestions that help improve things besides you're talking about the the bca link 1.0 then now they got the 2.0 yeah so. exactly mm-hmm. and yeah. also we are gonna try and solve some of your snack problems or issues because oh yes we've I got the uh, same issues as well so we have go ahead, yeah Jim. we've got uh sans meal bars who we're uh we're partnered with so i don't know if you're familiar with them but it's uh it's 400 calorie meal bar that's uh you know, they've, they've got a few different flavors. It's it's the ultimate backcountry snack. I mean, it, it packs in your pocket. It's, you know, it's it's your solution that way. And it's got all sorts of great stuff. Sands, the name, um, basically means without, right? So uh, what's great about these meal bars is they are all natural and without any of the crap or junk that you want, right? So uh, give you an example. Awesome. I'm holding in my hand here the coconut almond butter bar. Right. The ingredients list, almonds, dates, coconut, egg whites, oats, sea salt, cinnamon, spinach, flaxseed. Boom. That's it. That's incredible. Yeah. Tasty and uh, just full of all the good, uh, the good calories and energy that you need to to sustain yourself and keep going. Of course, just like any other bar, you don't have to eat it all at once. Just gnaw away on it as you need to. Yeah. That happened last week. Well, last time we were in Powder King, I was kind of like bonking. I'm like, I need to go eat. I'm like losing it. And Darren's like, actually here, I got a bar. So I ate half the bar and I felt good. So it, After it, he'd already eaten nice. two that day. <laughs> yeah, I can eat. I'm, nice. I'm a machine. I'm um, the same way. <laughs> yeah. So anybody wants to get a, eat. So we're also giving away free bars. So anybody who wants to get a free bar to try it out, just go to darkstars.ca, go in the partners area, and or you can go into the, the Darkstars um, split decision episode and you can enter into their website and you get a free bar. And also anybody who buys bars, you get 20% off a case or a box. So... And and Shauna, we're going to send you a box. Yes. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, done I'm and done. You're going to get a dozen Yum. 
all different flavors that they've got available right now. Nice. They just announced, I think today that the uh, cherry cacao flavor is back now. So you might get lucky. (laughs) You better bug bug Corey to get one of those. (laughs) Oh yeah. That one sounds really good. Yeah. 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 They had a a Mexican hot chocolate, which we missed out on. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Ooh, that one sounds good. Would have been good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Bars are great. Can't get enough bars. Thanks guys. Yeah. Yeah, You got it. So, there's your snack. And then, so you use a, use a Garmin inReach that you have? I do. Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh-huh. uh, we use this, we use the, uh, somewhere lab, uh, satellite device linked up. It's Global f- hotspot. Global hotspot. Yeah. We need to use it more. Cool. We just haven't gotten out enough yet this season, but, um. Yeah. I feel the same way about my inReach. I haven't had it. I got it last spring and I haven't got like much experience on it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to get more familiar with it um, yeah. and uh, use it more. I have been, I had been using Gaia more, um, oh, yeah. but my phone, my phone dies a lot. So I wanted something that like was separate from my phone. Um, yeah, so I got I the inreach that. and I always bring a, I always bring a solid map. Um, oh, I'm nice. pretty old school in that way. Nice. Uh, like to have just the real deal map because you can't always count on technology, you know. Yeah. Are you good with uh, compass and map? Or are you pretty good orienteer? Is that a good? Um, is that a word? Orienteer. I'm actually. I would actually like to really like up up my skills in that department. Um, we are going to bring on somebody, bring somebody on here in the near, near future that will help teach us all about maps. So. Oh, sweet. That is awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I'm like good with the compass. I I have a compass. I never really pull it out. That's another thing that kind of floats around in my pack. I need to use it more. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just having, just having the map and being able to just kind of orient yourself like with that map, um, I feel like is just an important thing to be able to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm just without the technology. And I guess where I'm touring, I have a pretty good, um, like I, I know the area and I know, um, like points of interest, you know, to orient myself. Um, but yeah, when you're somewhere where you haven't been before, like having, having like Gaia or InReach or something like that is like pretty crucial. What you can do as well, like with the somewhere lab, you can download your, your mapping ahead of time and then you go into like, you know, airplane mode, just have your Bluetooth going only. And then you can kind of, you know, the, the device will do the work cause it's got data on it as well. Um, you know, Jeremy Jones has nice. a somewhere lab. He says he just leaves it in his pack. It just stays there and he enjoys that. And you know, anybody who wants to look into the somewhere lab, we get a 10% discount. Anybody who buys one using the dark starts code DS 10, um, that's available on our dark page as well. So yeah, that just, uh, uh we want to dig into it more as well. We went on a tour here, well, we did a couple of them this year, but the first one we did, we probably could have used the map, I think, a little more, Darren, next time we were prepared. Dude, that's the wind <laughs> outside. Holy Batman. Well, that's what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could have been more prepared on it's that, okay. Chad. Yeah, sure, buddy. Thanks. I'm taking adv- I'm taking responsibility also. He's taking a jab at me is what he's doing. <laughs> it's all right hey man live and you learn and luckily we lived another day to learn and move on so we're good it's also my responsibility as the part of the tour to do my research and i just relied on darren which was not proper as well (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, dick. <laughs> right. I'll take it. I'll take that one too. Anyways, um, yeah, that's sweet, all, that's sweet. awesome. So yeah, that, that's uh, that's what I want to learn as well. A little more about mapping and understanding how maps work and how, like you know how to under how to read one. I don't do that every day. For I, I do blueprints or prints at work, so it's a different world. Um, so that's why yeah, I just I like. Yeah, that's a great idea. I really like the idea of if all your technology is gone, can you still right. figure out how to do things? Um, I think of things like that a lot. And yeah, it's just good, good knowledge to have if you're going to put yourself out there. Well, and communication is key when you go out to the backcountry too, right? Being able to communicate totally. with somebody at home base, let them know everything's good or, yes. uh, you know, or I'm going to be late. Yep. Elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Found some sick pow. We got to go play. Everything's good. We're heading (laughs) out. Definitely. Have you, um, yes. Have you ever used any like verts or like, you know, as, um, crampon of any sort or anything for like either for your boot or for your ski, your, uh, your skis, I guess for your split. Yeah. Yeah. I have, uh, I have ski crampons and normal crampons and verts. Um, you're just prepared. I love it. Yeah. Uh, the verts are really great. I haven't like used them in like, like I see people like boot packing up coolars with them and stuff. I haven't really used them in that way. Um, I found they've, they've come in handy for pal surfing. Um, yes. Yeah. And the crampons, the ski crampons, I'd say I use the least like, um, cause yeah, I mean, they're good to have, but, um, also, if you're like worried about like weight, you know, it's like you probably just use your crampons that you put over your boots as opposed to bringing two items. But, um, but yeah, I really love my over the boot crampons. They're the black diamond. I forget what model they are, but they're black diamond ones and they're pretty user friendly. And, um, I don't use them very much. I would say like volcano season is when I mainly use them, but they're good. They're good to bring with on like tours and stuff just in case. Um, but yeah, I love, I love the feel of crampons. It's really like, um, extra security like right, that. Right. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned volcano season a couple of times. Know, Can right? you break that down for us a little bit? And it's something obviously we're not wholly familiar with where we are. Yeah. So, um, the Pacific Northwest has a bunch of volcanoes, and in the springtime, um, there's like some humongous runs on them, like very long, like 6,000, like 5,000 foot, like runs, consistent, um, vert. And like, uh, like if you get it right, which in the spring, it's usually pretty nice and sunny, like May, maybe June, May, June, um, like you can like, ride these amazing like 6,000, 5,000 foot corn runs, um, and camp on the glaciers Dude, and we gotta do that yeah, too. that's, it's really, it's really cool. For this. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be a great time of the year to get some practice in camping and riding in some you know, making turns is making turns, whether it's corn or pow, you're, it's still fun mm-hmm. in, totally. June, in June. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. It's cool to be up in the mountains around that time too. And, um, they're just, yeah, so much more user-friendly. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really fun. You just got to make sure that you, um, are a little practiced at least in your glacier rescue stuff. Um, 
yeah, and have all that stuff as well. Yeah, something that's not as big a concern out here for us. So definitely we don't have any training along those lines. Um, I've always been kind of curious about that. Not, uh, not a climber, so I don't have harnesses and ropes and not wholly familiar with rope work and, and how that all goes. I think that uh, <clears throat> I would certainly love to get there one day to, to where I, uh, I would love to explore it you know, and take a course Same. and see what it's like. And, um, totally. it scares the shit out of me, to be honest with you. Like yeah. the whole yeah, idea of falling into one and, <laughs> yeah. and having to be rescued out of one, seeing lots of videos where, you know, people had fallen into them before and they've been rescued out, thankfully, you know, but, uh, yeah. some pretty scary shit, yeah. <laughs> you know, when yeah. you got that There's in some pretty interesting technique. Like, I you know, uh, Xavier de la Rue, he likes to teach a lot of that stuff and how to save your partner who's went who's fallen in and how to brace your, your skis when you're touring up. And it's, a, it's he's a, he, I mean, that guy is that resource, his resource on YouTube. his how to videos. Oh, are pretty, they're pretty wicked. We yeah, got to yeah. get him on the show, yeah. but that's going to be a, it's he's a, an, he's it's, an animal. It's a guy. challenge to get to that guy. We're working, we're working. He's a busy dude, man. Yeah, he's they a all busy are. Dude. <clears throat> yeah. Cool. Let's, um, uh, you know what I'm really interested in learning about from you is uh, you've got this new love. Is it kind of a new love, the pow surfing thing? Like you're, you're getting yeah. mentioned into a that few times. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it is new. I've always been interested in it. Um, since I got to Washington, I have been interested in surfing. I've always been interested in surfing, but it's, it's always been like pretty inaccessible, like where I've lived. Um, but yeah, it's really cool to, to have it here in Washington. Um, and yeah, pow surfing is like a really cool way to, um, it's a very like similar feeling. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just really also user-friendly and, um, like pretty gentle and safe. Like, mo I mean, most of the time the terrain that you're on is going to be low angle, um, maybe not everybody, but you know, in general, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Jeremy Jensen is like the master. Yeah. He really is the master. Man. Yeah. It, I went cow surfing with him one time oh, and no I was way. like, what, how, how are you doing that? Yeah. And Neil <laughs> he's, Provo, he's Neil really Provo as well. Again, two people we've had on the show. I mean, today is like the throwback to all the episodes. Yeah. Just hitting them that's all. awesome. I know. Cause I was just going to say, you got to go back and listen to Chris Christensen. Oh man. His oh, yeah, episode I last do. week, which we dropped and, uh, and his talk about, cause of course he, you know, he collaborated with Jones on all those surf series boards and yeah. And the mountain surfer, which you ride, right? You got a mountain surfer. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. I do have a mountain surfer. I love it. Um, man. it's so, it's so much fun. I, I just really, the width makes it like, it just has such a big fat nose. I feel like that just makes it so much easier. Right. Um, you just like are in the back seat, like automatically, you don't even have to think about kind of driving it from the tail, you know, it just kind of is that way. Um, and yeah, it's super, super fun. I love pow surfing. Um, and yeah, it's great for, it's great for like high avi danger days where the snow's really good, but you can't really, you can't really, um, get into bigger terrain. Um, it's like a really good way to like, um, balance, like, uh, risk, you know, yeah. does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Like it's and really low risk, yeah, but it's really like high stoke. <laughs> I was just going to say Brian high Gucci. fun, low yeah. risk, right? Yeah, <laughs> Brian Aguchi yeah. makes that comment as well. He says, you know, the reason why he stayed alive and he does get to write some epic lines is because he does <clears throat> mitigate his risk 
but I still wanted to get pow in a new fresh, you know, dumping, but you go pow surfing, just keep it low angle and go enjoy the pow. And then once everything sets and settles and then you go venture a little bit deeper and a little further and a little bit higher. Yes. Yeah, totally. And you you just feel like such a little kid again when you're pow surfing. It just really feels like you're just playing in the snow again. Yeah, we did that. Um, We did that with the boards that I made. I made one myself as well. And that's kind of cool. That's how this whole podcast happened again. It's just like we were pow surfing, dumped a bunch of snow and like, let's go get some more pow. And he's like, nope, you don't have this. You don't have that. You don't have education. And that's when this all happened. So cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Fun, fun stuff. So, um, yeah. How long have you been pal surfing? Just, just recently, like, um, last year, actually I won, I won a pal surfer at LBS and, um, that was not, man, the years are so confusing now because of COVID. Right. It's so true. Um, a few years back, I won a pal surfer and I had kind of done it like here and there. Um, but last year I'd say I like really got into it. Um, especially with COVID and since the ski area was so crazy busy, um, all the other ski areas in Washington had a reservation system set up. Um, but, uh, Baker didn't. So there's a lot of people coming to Baker. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was just, yeah, it was just crazy busy. And so I would just kind of like go into some mellow zones, um, in the side country and just pow surf and it was like a really great little escape and a really good thing to do (laughs) um and yeah i wound up taking my pow surf out the shucks and arm last year and that was really cool and i i'd like to do that more we haven't really had days for it or good days for it this year um because i'd like to go on a really safe day because bringing a pow surfer into terrain like that just kind of brings up a whole new like list of things to consider, um, mm-hmm. you know, with safety and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it was really cool to experience that. Um, and yeah, it just really is a good way. Like, like Brian Aguchi said to like, Still you know, out there. Yeah. I, I find, I find writing your pow surf, like we haven't done it much yet either. But in my mind, it's like, you can ride the power surfer and you go to bindings. It's like, it just changes everything because now you're more totally. you're balanced. You understand the board better. You, you've got a better feel with it for it. And it's just my opinion. I haven't done it enough to know, but I'm sure that's the case. So what you're saying is power surfing enhances your, correct, your riding, your regular full strap to the board type style. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, pow surfing is just so fun. I love it. And here you can hear that you're you're like thinking about the days you've been pow surfing. I can yeah, it really is. It really is just fun. I mean, like it's it's not like it's it's not like scary. You know, it's no. not. There's like not really many other feelings you or that I personally experienced pow surfing besides just like just like joy really it's yeah. just so much fun and yeah really do feel like a little kid again <laughs> agreed, agreed. awesome that's dude. awesome there's so many opportunities to get out and slide on snow in so many different ways and and from yeah. from when you started at the age of 12 and your dad saying hey come on out to the car and check this out and boom there's that board and then you yeah. got into backcountry and racing and split boarding and now pow surfing man what's next yeah. what's on the what's on the horizon oh, yeah. for shauna besides a new I house did- 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Besides yeah, a bathtub. Really, bathtub. really trying, really <laughs> working for the bathtub these days. Right. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> I I would really like to um, move in the direction of like riding bigger lines. Um, that's Sweet. really my main focus. And um, yeah, Alaska is definitely Ooh. on the horizon. Um, you have to hook and, up with uh, one of our other past guests, Raphael Peace, who's oh, out in Alaska oh, yeah. now. He's just killing yeah. it right now, man. Yeah, sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah I'd lo- love to. I just wanna, I just wanna like learn as much as I can and just keep keep learning and keep spending time in the mountains, really. Um, and yeah, just riding riding spine features is something that you know. I've, we have a lot, we have a maritime snowpack here at Baker. It's like a mini Alaska. And so it's the perfect training grounds really for, for a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's definitely where my snowboarding is headed. And I'd really like to just feel, um, at home in the mountains. Uh, Kevin Jones, I learned on his, the bomb hole episode of his recently that Mm -hmm. he spent like 40 consecutive days snow camping. Um, and that I'm like really drawn to that. That sounds like so incredible. That would be a really cool experience to just That's get huge. that dialed with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. The future's open wide. Cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cool, yeah. cool. Well, man, I don't know. This has been fantastic. <laughs> you just like opened up a whole drawer or closet full of goodies for us and the the, the audience and listeners. <clears throat> Love it. So Love good. your stoke for the backcountry and what you're after and uh, your where story. you want to take it. Yeah. yeah. Your whole story is great. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot to mention a couple more things in my pack. Um, oh. I I uh, always carry extra lenses um, and I like to have like either wrap sunglasses or um, those mountaineer style sunglasses. Yeah. Um, and I have Zeal's um, the Zeal Lolo sunglasses right now, and they're so incredible. Um, and also the Zeal goggles, they have this new, um, technology called observation deck technology, where the goggle lenses are slightly tilted downwards and it, they really are a game changer. Like, like I find, I always find myself kind of like looking down, kind of like squish neck, you know? Um, but these like actually like change that it's, it's pretty, they're pretty sweet. Um, oh, you, you open my and, eyes. Yeah. Yeah. No you you got to try it out. The technology is yeah. insane. And Zeal's doing, um, uh, their sunglasses are 100% plant-based. What? And yeah, it's insane. What? I, it blew my mind. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Um, and I think, uh, I heard they might be shooting for like hundred percent plant-based goggles in the next few years, which is like insane. That would, yeah, that's that like is insane. Ne- well, next level. We'll yeah. have to connect with Zeal through Mr. DCP, another, another guest on the show. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> there you go. The, today's a throwback day. It's crazy. Just dropping names. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's awesome. Um, you're like the salt guy sprinkling the names <laughs> drop it off the elbow um yeah yep there you go also um uh everyone should keep an eye out for more girls on shred events in washington state um it is a nonprofit that is started in montana um but is now in washington we started a washington chapter and essentially what it is is just like a nonprofit that's dedicated to inclusion and um empowering women in snowboarding 
um, and also surfing and, or sorry, skateboarding. And it would be cool to do surfing one day, but, um, so yeah, keep an eye out for events like that and, uh, come join us at one. They are really fun. We've done one so far, but lots more on the horizon. So well, let, let us yeah. know ahead of time. I think we spoke about that you and I, and let us know ahead of time so we can promote that, you know, into our feed and into the story and everybody can kind of get a We'd like to, we're trying to start, if anybody has any kind of um, split fests or any kind of events about to happen that are backcountry or, you know, split boarding, let, let us know, like go to our web, go to our DMs and then there's an email address there. It's darkstars.podcast at Gmail. Send us some information. We've got somebody, Bailey is uh, somebody who's going to be taking care of that now. She's actually starting to work with a few split fests. So feel free to send us information so we can promote whatever event you got going on. Darren might even do a read of the event, uh, you know, just kind of promoting and helping out and getting to be more of a source for people to find backcountry events and uh, training and, you know, fun things for people to get together. All about spreading the word and the love. Yeah, dude. For 100%. sure. Sweet. Well, thank you guys. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Well, what is, so let's, uh, so we talked about Zeal. We talked about Girls on Shred. What, what are some of your other uh, sponsors that maybe Supporters, you want to yeah. throw some love at? Yeah. I talked about Jones and True. Um, Aslan Brewing. If you guys are, if you guys ever see, yeah, it's so good. If you guys ever see, um, any Aslan, uh, at the store, I don't know how big their like distribution is, you know? Um, but definitely try it. If you see it at the store, it's really good. And it's organic beer. Um, they are, they started in Bellingham and they're also in Seattle too, but they are just such an incredible business. Um, and they do, they give back a lot to the community. Um, and they do some really great things and they make some really, really good and a lot of fun flavors of beer, which I'm really into. Um, and they're also just starting to do a like hopped sparkling water, which is really cool. Cause you're not, you know, you don't always want a beer. Um, and yeah, it, that I'm really stoked to try that. So yeah, definitely check out Aslan if you like beer or sparkling water. <laughs> Sweet. Nice. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Is that it? Anybody else? Do we hit them all? I think, I think we got, I think we got it all. Awesome. I think we did. I think we did. Cool. Cool. Well, hey, Shauna. Thank you so much. So awesome to have you. And how do people find you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Reach out and talk Um, to you as well. Like reach out. Shauna Paoli. Yeah. I'm on Instagram. Um, uh, It's my name with no spaces. Um, just Shauna Paoli. Can you just spell it for everybody? So they're not, uh, they're not going a W versus a U or a U versus a W. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's, um, it's all lowercase S H A W N A P A O L I. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you very much for your time today and, uh, sharing everything that you've shared and yeah, so glad we connected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Same to you. That was a really good talk and hope to see you in the future sometime in real life. Thanks. You got it. Good that's, luck with that's the, the plan for us to get the <laughs> heck out of Ontario, uh, Alberta and get moving around the world. Yeah, we already okay. get the heck out of Ontario. Yes. You're, yeah, you're making <laughs> friends all over the place. We, are, we already got rid of um, Ontario, as we call it. Ontario. Ontario. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's, it is terrible for snow. oh Oh, man awesome well thank again and uh we'll talk to you very soon yeah good luck with uh good luck with the property and and the sauna yeah thank you guys i really appreciate it have a good rest of your winter and take care we'll do you too peace thank you bye
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to Shauna for taking the time to talk with us. As always, you can learn more about Shauna on our website at www.darkstarts.ca in the guest tab. And hey, all, if you're loving the podcast, then be sure to hit the subscribe button, drop us a review, and share it with your crew. Also, visit our website at www.darkstarts.ca and follow us on Instagram at darkstarts.podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for next week's episode of Split Decisions. While you're waiting for that one to drop, maybe go back and have a listen to another backcountry addict, Michael Wigley. Chad and I want to give a special thanks to the Dark Starts team for helping to make all of this happen. Stay safe out there all. Peace. Peace.